English? Great! Moving to a country where they only speak English and now you need to know that language to survive? Totally different thing, really difficult and really stressful. If you've never experienced it, I'm going to try and tell you what it's like. Let's get cracking. I'm not too bad. Thanks for asking and welcome to another episode of the Dan Sensei English Podcast. The podcast designed for intermediate and advanced English learners that want to practice listening to a native speaker and maybe pick up some new vocabulary along the way. And with any luck, you might just be a little bit entertained. If you're new around here, my name is Dan and I'm here to help you stop being an English student and start being an English speaker. Today's episode is all about what it's like to live in a country that speaks the language that you are learning. It's not your native tongue. It's going to be your second, third, fourth, fifth language. And what that's like and some of the problems that come along with it. The reason I'm talking about this today is... Recently, I've started giving private English lessons on Zoom, right? Quick plug, if you want to do English with me, you know, send me a message, we'll talk about it. But recently, I've started um, accepting new students, right? One thing I didn't expect is that most of my students are living in English-speaking countries. Like, they're from other countries and they've moved to the UK, and now they're really starting to struggle and deal with the language problems that come with moving to a country that doesn't speak your language, right? And it got me thinking, because I've experienced that same thing, you know. I moved to Japan, where, surprisingly, Japan doesn't speak English as its first language. You know, they speak Japanese. And when I came to Japan, I could speak a little bit of Japanese. Um, not good, but, you know, I could speak a little bit and I could understand a little bit. So I thought, you know, that's going to be fine. I can survive and do most things. You know, I can ask where the station is. I can ask how much something costs in the supermarket, you know. That kind of thing is not a problem for me. However, there's kind of two trains of thought that I want to follow here. The first is that because I speak English as my native language, I've got a luxury that most of you guys don't have. And that is that no matter where I go in the world, there's a pretty high chance that somebody will speak my language. Now... If you're a Japanese speaker, that is completely different. If you go to another country, the chances of somebody there speaking Japanese is pretty low. So that's one problem for you guys that I can't really appreciate, to be honest. Uh, I can, in a way, because, sure, if I go to Tokyo, right, there's going to be English speakers that can help me out. I don't live in Tokyo. I live a bit more in the countryside where there's not many English speakers around. You know, if I go to the doctors or the dentist or the hospital or the city hall or the bank, nobody there speaks English, so I have to use Japanese. 
And that is stressful. So that's one part of it, right? The other part of it is you would think that moving to a country that speaks the language that you're learning is an amazing thing. You're surrounded by the language. It must be so much easier to learn the language in that country. Part of that is true. But there's another part of it that people don't consider, right? Like one of my students, she moved to England. And she said that when she is talking with other people who speak her native language, they obviously they speak their native language. Of course you do. And then she said when she speaks to other foreigners, it's okay. You know, if she's talking to somebody from a different country that's also in England, and English is not their first language either, that's okay, because they don't care about the mistakes. They don't... As long as they're communicating, they're okay. The problem comes when they're trying to talk directly to native speakers, to British native speakers, and they have a lot of problems. And I can relate to that, because when I came to Japan... I felt totally the same way. And it's part of how you learn a language that's the problem, I think. When you learn a language, you learn textbook language. It's just natural. You're going to learn expressions like survival expressions and things like that. But you'll quickly notice that when you get there, people don't sound like your teacher. Your teacher spends a lot of time choosing the words that they're using and kind of neutralizing their accent a bit and speaking slowly and clearly to make it easy for you to understand. Native speakers don't do that. They don't even think about doing that. In the UK, a normal British person's idea of making it easier for you to understand is just to say it again, but louder. Like they think volume is the problem. No, I just don't understand what you're saying. It's not a volume issue. But native speakers don't try and accommodate you like that. Teachers do. Other language learners do. But native speakers don't. And native speakers are happy to use slang or, you know, regional dialect differences. And they'll speak quickly. And they you have different accents to your teacher. And... All of that stuff can make it really, really difficult to actually communicate with native speakers. And that is a big problem. And it makes you kind of not want to talk to native speakers. You feel like my English is not good enough. Or people think I'm an idiot or I'm not intelligent because I can't express myself in English the way I want to. And it can be very easy to kind of re withdraw from those situations where you're forced to speak to native speakers. Especially anything other than daily language conversation level. You can meet people, you can, you know, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And, and all that good stuff. But when it comes to actually discussing things, maybe at work or... You know, you're going to the doctors, the dentist, the bank, all that stuff. When you're doing all that in English and you don't feel confident and you are really struggling to catch what the other people are saying, it can be really, really stressful. And like I said, I've been through that 
I went through that in Japan. I'm still going through it in Japan and I've been here seven years. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of things that I really want to say that maybe will help you if you're in this situation right now. Or if you're going to be in this situation at some point in the future, maybe you can think back to this one day. Uh, there's a few key points. The first point is speaking English and your English skill has nothing to do with your level of intelligence. It really doesn't. Like, it's not connected. And if anybody thinks it is connected, if anybody thinks that you're not intelligent because of the way you speak English, that person couldn't be more wrong. You're just trying to learn a second language, third language, fourth language, whatever. That's already more than most English learners will ever do. That takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of intelligence. So please, if anybody ever makes you feel that way, it's that person's problem, not yours. You're doing great. The second thing I kind of wanted to touch on is that native speakers are not maliciously doing this to you. It's not their fault. They just don't understand what it's like. So you have to take the initiative here. You've got to not be afraid to tell that person, I don't understand. There seems to be a real stigma with language learners that they feel like they can't tell somebody that they don't understand. And that, excuse my French, it's not really French, but you know, I'm going to swear. That's absolute bullshit. You don't owe them anything. If you don't understand, it's not your place to pretend you understand for that person's benefit. You need to take the initiative and tell that person, I don't understand. Can you say that more slowly? Can you say that in a different way? Do you mean like this? These kind of expressions are the ones that you can use to make sure that you understand, right? It's so easy to just nod and smile, like, oh, I think I've got it. And then that's fine if you're in the shop buying eggs, you know, it's not gonna be bad. Don't do that at the doctors if you don't understand. <laughs> it's kind of important. So you've got to get over yourself and you've got to get into that habit of asking for help when you don't understand. The, because at first it'll be weird, it'll be difficult, but then you'll get into the habit of it and then you'll find that you understand a lot more of what people are saying because you're asking and they're explaining. And then your confidence and your knowledge goes up. So it's difficult, but you've got to do it. Get over yourself. Ask when you don't understand. The third and I guess final point that I wanted to touch on here is living in a country that speaks the language you're learning doesn't automatically make you better at speaking that language. It just doesn't. People feel that immersion will naturally just magically help you improve your English and it doesn't. Just because you move to England or America or Canada or Australia, New Zealand, whatever. If moving there doesn't automatically improve your English, it's the same as people that buy textbooks and they think, oh, I automatically know the information that's in that because I've bought it. Doesn't work. You actually still have to put in the effort. The one benefit is that you've got more chance to practice because 
these people around you, right? And you got more practice and more chance to listen and um, more chance to read because it's around you. But if you're not making the effort to still do it, you're never going to get any better, you know. So that is something else you've got to kind of take responsibility for if you're struggling in that situation. Now, having said all that, if you've never experienced this, it's so, so difficult because people expect things from you when you live in that country. Like when you live in Japan, people kind of expect that you understand some Japanese. Um, or if you live, you know, in Spain, people expect that you speak some Spanish. And I think when you move to a country like Japan or Spain or whatever, you've got a bit of an obligation to try and learn that language, even if English is your first language like me. Because you can't expect to move to another place and everyone to accommodate you, you know. You've got to do your part. And it's not easy. It's, no one ever said it was easy. But it is something that is valuable. It's something that will make your life better. But it is something that's difficult and stressful and really frustrating and you need help with it. And that's fine. It's fine to need help, but it's not okay to just not do it. You know, that's the point I'm trying to make. You kind of need to, especially if English is not your first language. Unfortunately, um, it's tricky. I know it is, but I wanted to kind of share some of my thoughts about this today because... You know, when I started doing online lessons, I assumed that most of my students would be from non-English speaking countries. I, I just assumed that'd be the way. I assumed that people were living in their native countries and they couldn't find people to practice English with. So they wanted to do online lessons. But I was actually really surprised that the majority of my students already live in English speaking countries, but find it difficult to practice and communicate with natives. So they kind of turn to people like me. And I think for me, especially teaching style, my style is all about communication skills. It's all about speaking and building confidence because textbooks can teach you grammar. You can learn vocabulary. You don't need me for that. I can help you with that, but you don't need me for that. What I can do is give you the skills and the confidence to actually communicate in English. And I think that's the problem. When you, you know, you learn English, you move to an English-speaking country, and your confidence takes a huge hit because you realize, like, wow, I actually can't do this like I thought I could. And the confidence goes down, and then it's hard. So confidence building is, is vital, is vital. So, yeah, that's kind of the topic for today's podcast. I want to give you an example. A, a different student of mine <laughs> told me this. And this is an example of what I mean. Right? She said she was in the pub talking to some British friends. Okay. And she asked a question where the obvious answer to the question was yes. And the British person asked her, well... Does the Pope shit in the woods? Now, what does that mean? Any British person 
or probably any native English speaker knows exactly what that means. However, if you're a non-native speaker, that's going to make zero sense to you. And I'm going to break this down. So if somebody asks us a question where the obvious answer is yes, you know, would you like a thousand pounds? Obviously, yes, I want a thousand pounds. So we would answer with this question where the answer is yes, right? So you ask me a question and I answer with a question where the answer is obviously yes. And the traditional phrase here is does a bear shit in the woods? You know, bear, rah, do they poop in the woods? And the answer is obviously yes, right? So we used to say this expression, uh, does a bear shit in the woods to say, yes, of course I want to do that. However, there's also another expression, which is, is the Pope Catholic, right? You know, the Pope, the Catholic guy with the hat, is he Catholic? Of course he is, yes. However, I don't know why, maybe for fun, maybe just because British people are weird, we kind of put those two expressions together and we got, does the Pope shit in the woods? doesn't make any sense if you don't know that trail and there's no way you could guess unless somebody explains it to you so just when you think you know what's going on don't be surprised if native speakers completely baffle you from time to time it's not your fault it's not your fault there's no way you can know that all you can really do is keep practicing keep doing your best and keep trying to improve. Try and learn new words, phrasal verbs, idioms, vocabulary, slang. Don't spend all your life in a book. But when these things come up, try to remember them. Even if you don't use them. It's not about using them. It's about understanding when other people say them. So, and remember, about language learning, it's a never-ending process. It's never, it never ends, ever. You're always going to be learning something new. And that's part of the fun, I think. That's that's part of what makes learning a language interesting. So, yeah, I thought that would be an interesting topic for today. A bit heavier than the recent topics, you know. Recently, we've been talking about um, hobbies or gaming or something. But today, I wanted to talk about something a little bit heavier. Uh, because it's relevant to probably most of us. And it also spurred me on to do something I've been wanting to do for a while. As you know, recently I've started my, I guess you could call it a business where I teach English online now and I make content, you know, podcasts and YouTube videos and whatever else to help people improve their English. Well, one thing that I thought is a lot of people don't have chance to practice, right? Uh, I, I take students and that's great, but what about if you can't take lessons with somebody, you know, uh, your time, the time difference is crazy or, you know, it's too expensive to take private lessons with an English teacher, whatever. There's everybody's got their own situation, you know. So I was trying to think of a way to give people the chance to practice and improve. And that's why recently I've started the study squad community right now. The this is a new thing. It's something I've just started. It's going to take a while to kind of build up. But the idea is this. It's a community where people from all over the world can come together with the idea of practicing their English. 
we use a service called Discord. And if you don't know what Discord is, it's basically an app or a website where you can chat with other people. You can send text messages, you can send video, you can send audio, or you can join like the the live rooms where you can use your webcam and your microphone to actually talk, kind of like Zoom or something, right? So I wanted to use this as a way to build a community full of people that want to practice their English. So there's always people there. Everybody's trying to achieve the same thing and it's accessible to everyone, right? So that's kind of what I've started this week. From my perspective, I want to give back. So, you know, every day I put little daily challenges on there for people to try. Um, I set discussion topics in the voice room. So if you want to practice talking about new topics, we've got places where people can talk about sports or news or whatever. Or you can just free talk with other people either via text messaging or by voice. And I think it's going to be really, really beneficial. And now to make it as accessible as I can, it's about $5 per month to join this thing. We do that through Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dan Sensei. You join there, you link your Discord, you join my server, and you can start practicing English with me and other people and I think it will give everybody a chance to improve and grow together. You will also get extra bonus stuff. You know, if you join the Patreon, you get bonus podcasts and bonus um, videos and live streams and live lessons and all that good stuff. And it does support me and helps me keep going and doing what I'm doing. But the main thing is growing that community where people can be relaxed and feel safe to practice English together. So if you are interested... I'd love to see you in there. That's patreon.com forward slash Dan Sensei. $5 a month will get you in. And I really, really think it will benefit you. So I'd love to see you in there. Other than that, today's question is, have you ever lived or do you plan on living in a country where English is the first language? Let me know. I'd love to hear all about it. But that's basically it for this episode. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.